Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Now, I bet you I know that most of the ladies and most of the guys are, are dealing with that pig in different ways. Probably the ladies are thinking, I wonder if that piggy's okay. I wonder if the piggy made it. And most of the guys are thinking, man, I could do some barbecue right now, right? Am I right? Uh, I can't wait. We are at the start of a, of a new series, uh, a, a summer series. And welcome to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. We know there's a bunch of people traveling, uh, a bunch of people on vacation. And here's the deal that we have, all right, that when we are in town, you're in here, all right? When you're not sick, you're in here. And when you're traveling, let's watch and let's stay connected. But I want to say, you know, there's a lot of times people are moving at this time of year, and it's a great chance for us to reach out to our neighbors and those who are moving in. And just think of it. If every single one of us who are watching online and in here today, if you just invited one person to church in one year, we'd be reaching 2,000, over 2,000, about 2,500, 3,000 people involved in that, that we'd make that kind of a difference in our community. So every person, just one person, look for people you can invite and bring on in. But this is a great series to invite them in because we're going to be talking about uh, when pigs fly. Now, if you've ever heard that that statement, you know that it means that, yeah, it's never going to really happen. It's going to be like uh, somebody saying, yeah, I'm going to get a cat, yeah, when pigs fly. Or my, my boss said he'd give me a raise when pigs fly or something like that when the White Sox are going to win the World Series when pigs fly, you know, things like that. So, but, but really, we live in a culture that says, uh, that really has struggled, some of them, with people with, with really trusting in God. And there's a lot of people that don't not, do not believe in, in miracles. They say miracles will happen when pigs fly. But I thank God that this is a house that not only believes in miracles, but is expecting miracles. Amen? And so, uh, so we're going to be talking about that. And really, there's four types of miracles that we're going to be looking at in, uh, in this series. And that's miracles of provision. We're going to be taking a look at miracles of healing. We're going to be taking a look at uh, miracles of deliverance. And we're going to also look at miracles of protection. Each one are in the Bible. I love these stories. These are some of my favorite stories in the Bible. And you know why we're going to be taking a look at that? Because you and people you know and you love are going to need healing. And they're going to need protection, and they're going to need deliverance, and they're going to need uh, provision as, as well. And we're going to take a look at some stories to hopefully bolster your faith, bolster the faith of other people, and to make it where we just see that God is a God of miracles. Not just was a God of miracles, but is a God of miracles. And the first one today we're going to take a look at is, uh, is the miracle of, uh, of healing. And I'm going to toggle back and forth between the, the book of, of Luke and the book of, uh, of Mark. And we're going to really, in, in the Bible, there's really two stories that intermingle here and it's pretty cool how they how they do that but it's really two stories of uh, of, of healing mixed into to one and we'll start out with Luke chapter 8 now when Jesus returned a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him then a man named Jairus a ruler of the synagogue came and fell at Jesus's feet picture this pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter a daughter of about 12 years old was dying it is so easy for us to read that without, without putting ourselves in his, his sandals, just going by. Think about what you'd be feeling there. I mean, not only does your, do you have a, a daughter who's sick, she's dying. She's going to die unless something happens. And you just see the, the, you know, and any parent knows this. It's one thing for us to be sick. It's a whole other thing when we see our kids sick, right? 
And you think of this, it shows the desperation that he has when he is on his knees. This is a a synagogue ruler, this is a big-time guy, and he is on his knees begging Jesus, pleading with Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And Jesus says, all right, let's go. And there's a big throng around him. The Bible says in in Mark that there's a a, a large group. So we're probably talking hundreds of people. Jesus says, Jairus, let's go for it. I'll I'll go to your house. And something happens along the way. Something happens on the way. And here's the cool thing. With God, so many times things happen on the way, right? I mean, think about how many times you've been doing something, and there's your destination, but some of the coolest thing God ever does is on the way. Some of the greatest miracles God has for your life is on the way when you're thinking about something else. Some of the neatest things he wants to do in your life is on the way. We're so much about the destination, and God cares just about as much, and maybe even more so about our journey than he does in the destination. And look for us, because if we aren't keeping our eyes open, we can miss God in the now because we're just looking for him in the destination. God wants to do something on the way. Mark chapter 5. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under a care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I can't tell you the name of this lady because it's not in the Bible. Uh, we have Jairus' name, but we don't have her name. And that's not a gender thing because there's people that, uh, that God mentions just a few names in all those. Like, for, for instance, we know that Jesus healed a lot of blind people. We just know that one of them's name was Bartimaeus. We knew that Jesus healed, delivered a lot of people from demons, but we only know one, one person, that was um, Mary Magdalene who was actually delivered. We know the name of that. So it wasn't a gender thing here, but here's the thing. Don't miss this. She was known by her problem. Her identity was her problem. We know her as the woman with the issue of, uh, of blood. And sometimes, you know, our, our, our identity, we can, uh, we can have a, a problem that is so big that, we, that it takes on our identity. Our identity takes on that problem. Maybe it is a sickness. Maybe it is an addiction that you have. Maybe it is a, a, a situation in life, singleness or divorcee or, or whatever it is of just something that you, whatever that is, you become that, that identity. And sometimes that, that we need to, to, to realize that when we talk about that, sometimes our identity sometimes can be so wrapped up in that that we talk about it all the time. And, and whatever we talk about becomes something that we magnify. And whatever magnify, we magnify, really we put on a pedestal. And sometimes we can put our identity in our problem more than we can put in our identity as sons or daughters of God. And sometimes we can focus more on the problem than we do on God Almighty. Uh, and, and something else, too, it's easy, it is so easy for us to, to just go by and hear that she had been suffering for 12 years. Think about that. 12 years. I mean, if you've ever been sick for 12 days, it stinks, doesn't it? I mean, it just stinks to be sick that long. Some of you know what it feels like to be sick for 12 weeks or even 12 months. And maybe a few of you even know what it feels like to be sick for 12 years she was hemorrhaging. For 12 years, she had an issue of blood. For 12 years, she was getting weaker and weaker. Now, she started out, she, she started out, she had hope, right? I mean, because we see her going to doctor after doctor, but, but pretty soon, she's losing hope in that. And we, she started out with money. She had some money at the start, but now she is dead broke, the Bible tells us. So not only does she have a physical problem, she has a financial problem. And not only does she have a financial problem, she has a relational problem. Because here's what's happening. In those days, if you had an issue of blood, if you had an issue of anything, you were ceremonially unclean. 
That meant anything you sat on became unclean. That means anything you touched became unclean, if you can imagine that. I mean, that means you couldn't touch, she couldn't touch her kids. She couldn't touch her husband. She couldn't touch anything in her life. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't go to the synagogue because, because anything she, she came in contact with became unclean. It was against the law for her to go to the synagogue or to the, the temple or be around anybody. That's the situation that she was in. That's the bleakness of the, of the things. Her, her, her problem that she had no, no, no say so in separated her from everybody. And isn't that what ha can happen with our issues sometimes? Our issues can separate us from people, even the people that we love the most. Our addictions can separate us from, from people. Our hang-ups, our sin can separate us from people. Our control issue can separate us from people. Our anger issue can separate us from, from people. Our, our, our relational issue problems can separate us from, from people, whatever it is. Our, just like she was struggling with that, we can struggle with that as well. And she ran out of options. Um, she is absolutely at the end of her rope. She ran out of options. And here's the wild thing, that it, our prayers get really serious and our faith becomes real at the point of human limitation. Isn't that correct? Isn't that true? You think about it. You probably did not cry out to God today to, in order to take a shower or in order to eat your Captain Crunch or whatever you had, right? You probably did not cry out to God just to get, to get dressed. But man, when we're, we were over our head, when we were facing issues that are bigger than us, when we were facing and struggles, all of a sudden our prayers become alive and our faith becomes alive. And there is something about it when we have no more crutches that we're leaning on, no more idols that we're holding on to, that suddenly our, that, that we start praying R-rated prayers, that we pray real prayers and we get real with, uh, with God. And that's what's happening here. And she's hit rock bottom. I mean, she has hit rock bottom. That's the bad news. The good news is that absolutely primes her and sets her up for a miracle. Because when you think about it, that's the definition of a miracle, isn't it? A miracle happens when we've gone to the end of ourselves, when we cannot do it, when we cannot come through, when we cannot make it, when what we is expected of us, what is needed from us, what we need is not there. That's when the miracle can happen. So if you're at wit's end today, if you're at the end of your rope, if you don't know which way to turn right now, that's the bad news. But the good news is that, is that means you are absolutely set up for a miracle, for God to come through in, those, uh, in that way. And something, too, is this healing was completely different from every other healing that I, I can think of. Because in just about every other healing, Jesus did something, right? I mean, Jesus looked at the person. Jesus talked to the person. Many times, Jesus touched the person. But in this case... That wasn't the case. I mean, Jesus does, does nothing here. That's not, that, that's not what happens. She does everything there. And in fact, he's just walking by. In fact, he, there's nothing that shows that, that she, he even knows she's around. It doesn't even say, in fact, he's probably walking by and she's seeing his back. He's turned her back, his back on her. Have you ever had a time when it feels like that? And I said, feels like God doesn't care or God's not there or maybe even that God's turned his back on you. You know what I'm talking about. It's times when, when maybe you see other people healed and you rejoice. When we give all the testimonies of people being healed and everything, you rejoice and you're so thankful for them, but you're going, what about me? What about my loved one in that? 
Or maybe you're, you know, maybe you're single and you're going, you're rejoicing and you're going, but, you know, I'm so thankful, you know, I'm so glad for my friend who's getting married and they're getting married and they're getting married and they're getting married, but God, what about, what about me? Or you're looking for a breakthrough and you're hearing that, you're hearing everybody else, the breakthrough here, breakthrough there, you're hearing testimony, you're going, God, where's my breakthrough? And it seems, it seems, it seems like maybe God doesn't even know you're around. It feels like that or it feels like God has turned his back on you. You know, I've done many mission trips to, to Brazil, and, uh, and something that I, I, a lot of times we're in the slums of Brazil, and that's, that's pretty down there. And there's, if most of you have seen the picture of, of Christ the Redeemer, Corcovarca, the big, the big statue of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know if you know that one of the biggest slums in the whole world is right behind it. And there's some people that one time there was a person that was looking and, and he, a missionary was hearing these people say and it says, Jesus has turned his back on us. Jesus has forgotten about us. But there was one person in there and said, no, 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 don't you understand? Jesus has not has turned his back on us. He is leading us to a new beginning. And I thought, that's the picture of us. If you're feeling like Jesus has turned his back on you, he is never, he will never leave you and never forsake you. And if you see his back, it's only because he's leading you to a greater, a greater beginning. Amen? Something else is, she initiated the, the miracle. I mean, think about this. If she had not reached out, I wouldn't be talking about her right now. And she'd probably have died long before. And she probably would have never had the miracle. She initiated the miracle here. And, and, and think of this. I love this lady. This is one of the heroes of my faith because she had bodacious faith. And I love bodacious faith. And God, I really believe with all my heart, loves bodacious faith. Because there are times, and I cannot think of one time in the Bible that God ever, rep, Jesus ever reprimanded anybody or God ever reprimanded for him, for him or her for, for having too much faith. Never did Jesus say, man, you're trusting me way too much. I mean, you're really believing I'm coming through for you, and I don't know if this is going to happen. You're trusting me for you. You got way too much faith going on. Not once in the Bible. There are several times where Jesus reprimanded somebody for not having enough faith. But here's a lady who had amazing faith. And I love her spirit. I love, and think about, the power of the human spirit is amazing, isn't it? You read about POWs, and you read about these, the, these, these people who have gone through unbelievable torture. And somehow, 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 they were able to make it because of the, the, the strength of the human spirit. Maybe some of you have had a parent or a loved one that, that, that they were about to die, but somehow, somehow, because of the, the will that they had, they stayed around, they hung on until the whole family was able to come around and say goodbye. Now imagine, if that's how strong the human spirit is, how much stronger is the Holy Spirit in our, in our life? And listen to what ha happened. It said, she thought, here's this thing going into her mind, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. In the original language, that's in the active and perfect tense, and that means that it really means this. She kept thinking, she kept thinking, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him. And think of this, she would not let anything get in the way there. And there were a whole lot of obstacles that got in the way. First of all, she's not supposed to be doing this. It's against the law for her to be there. And then there's hundreds of people gathered around. And somehow this sick lady has almost no energy left. She's supposed to break through this crowd of several hundred people. And also, again, they're traveling away from her. They're going from one place to another. She's got to catch up to this. And she is not going to be denied. I mean, can you picture the, the look on her face? Can you picture the, I am going to get my miracle, I'm going to get my miracle, I'm not leaving without my miracle. She pressed in, she pressed in, she forgot about the obstacles, and she pressed in for, for her miracle. 
And something else is, she had every reason to believe to, to give up, didn't she? If there was ever a person that had reason to give up, this is the person. Because everything she had tried, everything other people had tried on her behalf had failed. But here's the thing that's, that's, that's don't miss this. She had to get over her history in order to get to her destiny, right? She had to get through her history. And guess what? So do we. We have, in order for us to get where God wants us to, to get, we have to get over our history. We have to get over our pain. We have to get over our dis disappointment. We have to get over our bitterness. And, and something else, we have to get over our past, too. We have to get, her, get over what we've done and who we've been. That we have to forget that history in order to go on the destiny. Because so, what Satan would want you to do is he wants you to stay in your past and your pain, and he wants to stay in your past of who you used to be and the way you used to act. And until, that, until we say goodbye to that and go on, then we're never going to go to the destiny that God has for us. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his, his cloak. I love this. I mean, she's, she's, she's coming up behind him. She never even sees him face to face to this point. She never says a word to him. She doesn't even touch him. She touches what's touching him. And you know, you've got a whole lot of power when somebody can touch you and be healed. You've got a whole lot even more power when, you, when somebody can touch what you have and be, and be healed. And that's the God we serve. And listen to the words. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her, from her suffering. I love that word, immediately. Because think about, think about that. For 12 years, that had been her reality. Sickness had been her reality. For 12 years. For 12 years, there was, a, there was nothing but, but, uh, but, but obstacles, but, but horrific things. And God did an immediate uh, miracle on her. Now, God can use progresses, and he a lot of times does use progresses, but God can also do the miraculous in a miracle. He can change your situation. He can change health. He can change anything in an instant, and I've seen that before. I have seen God heal people through medicine. I've seen God heal people through a process, and, and thank God every healing comes from God, but I have also I would be a liar if I said to you that I have not seen God heal people like that. God has healed me like that on, on some occasions. We have seen God heal people instantaneously that they had, could not have had that before. I mean, even, even a, a, few, a few weeks ago, I had somebody that I'm praying for Sunday night, they, on a CAT scan, they have a, they have a growth on the CAT scan. All right, they have the, the growth, and it's, this person is scared, this person is, is woozy and has been struggling that with a long time. We prayed for that person, and she called me back up because they were going to give an MRI, and they said, there's no sign of cancer on the MRI, right? Up, there's no sign of any growth whatsoever. I believe God healed. I can say it, go on and on and on, and things say, amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes in addiction... That, that it takes a process. Thank God for 12-step programs and, th and counseling and things like that. And thank God we have a, you know, an AA program in our, in our church. And thank God for those. But I've also seen God absolutely sober somebody up through, from drugs or from alcohol like, uh, like that. I have seen people that, that, that had relational issues with somebody, and sometimes that takes process of counseling. Sometimes that takes a process of going through, through something. But I've also seen people's relationship be healed in a moment. I've seen, I've seen marriages healed overnight. Uh, and, and so God sometimes does things through a process. And sometimes God is strong enough that whatever your situation is, he can change it in a moment. And it may be just that moment of, of, of today. And sometimes maybe some of you are thinking, you know, it took me a long time to get in this problem, a long time for this issue to take place. And so it must take a long time for that issue to go away. And it may, but it may also be something that God can do overnight. I want to say something else. Is Jesus asked her a question. 
He said, who touched me? He asked the question. He said, who touched me? Jesus said, when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, you're, uh, the, the, Peter, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. There are gobs of people around Jesus. There are hundreds of people around him, near him, around him doing things. Even some people are probably bumping up against him. Some are probably hitting uh, against him. But there's only one person that's touching him in this story. Only one person. And I think that's the story of our generation. I think that's the culture that we live in. There's a lot of people that are just kind of around Jesus. Yeah, let's be near you know, Jesus and everything like that. And there's a lot of people that are bumping up against Jesus too, aren't there? But there are very few people that are pressing in and saying, I'm going to touch him. I'm going to touch Jesus. I want to be those. I'm going to be one of those people that's not just hanging around Jesus. Certainly not the one that's bumping against him, but I want to be one of those people that are pressing in. I want to be one of those people that are touching Jesus, that Jesus is touching them. Amen? And when the, uh, but Jesus said, someone touched me. I know the power is gone from me. Uh, when the woman, uh, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. There it is again. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in, in peace. And Mark adds, and be free from your, your suffering. I wonder, why did Jesus call her out? I mean, she's obviously wanting to be incognito here. She's not drawn any attention to herself, and Jesus draws all the attention to her. Why did he do that? Was it to embarrass her? I think maybe it was so she could proclaim what God had done in her life, because there is something that happens in our life, and there's something that happens in other people's lives when we declare the miracles, when we declare the goodness of God in our life, it has a power. Something else, maybe, maybe he knew that Jairus needed to hear her testimony because he was about to need, uh, have a, a faith problem in just a, just a few moments. Maybe it was to make an indictment of all those people that are around him, but not the people that were, that were touching. Or maybe it was just simply that, that he wanted her to know that it wasn't his clothes that made her well, it was her faith that made her well. And in fact, that's what he said. He said, your, your faith. And, and I want you to know that oftentimes, often, often, oftentimes, there is a direct correlation between our faith and what we see. There's a direct correlation between our faith and what we see with provision. There's a direct thing between our faith and what we see in healing. Not always. I mean, there's some people who have no faith whatsoever that God heals or provides for or everything like that. And there's some people who have all the faith in the world that, do not, that will never see themselves see healing on this, side of, uh, on this side of heaven. But usually, quite often, there's a direct correlation between, between faith and what we see happening in our life or the lives of those that we, that we love and care about. And this lady had amazing courage. I love this lady's courage. And because you think about it, that, that first of all, for her to go where it was illegal, for her to press through like that, the courage that she had to be in that crowd when she wasn't even supposed to be there. And then Jesus puts the spotlight, who was it? And she had, comes up and she goes, me. It was me. And I want you to know that, that to be a Christian, it takes courage. Especially in this generation. You know, there was a time in just a, a few decades ago that we lived in a Christian country, a truly a, a Christian nation, that, that things revolved around church and around faith and around everything. And, and a, a few de decades ago, it kind of transformed into a post-Christian society. And right now, you, if we were really honest, we look and there's, there's an antagonism against a lot of, of Christianity, what we stand for, our faith, what we believe in, what we stand for. And we, need to, and we need to see that. And it takes, it takes courage. And let her be an example of, of saying, you know what, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to take that stand. I'm going to be that person that takes that stand no matter what's coming against. Um, and something else, she, I wonder what Jairus was thinking in all this. 
I wonder, can you imagine what he's going through when and all of a sudden he's, he is so panicked and so wanting to see Jesus get to his daughter and suddenly Jesus stops and starts talking to this lady. You know, and he's probably going, great, you're healed. Come on, Jesus, come on. Yeah, good, I'm glad, super, come on, right? I mean, you're probably thinking that. But, but here's this thing. Watch what happens with, uh, with Jairus. When Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Okay, now put yourself in his sandals. You're this close. Jesus is on the way to heal your daughter, and something happens, and he doesn't get there, and you hear the news that you've been dreading and dreading and dreading. Your daughter is, is dead. But look what Jesus does. He says, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. The most commanded command in all of Scripture is don't be, don't be afraid. I love that. And maybe there's some people right now who are watching, who are hearing the sound of my voice, people in this room right now, that that's God talking to you, not just God talking to that uh, Jairus back then, but God's talking to you and saying, don't be afraid, just believe. What's your situation? Don't be afraid. Just believe. What's that thing that's intimidating you? Don't be afraid. Just believe. What's that issue that is too much that is causing you stress and strain and, and tossing and turning? Don't be afraid. Just, be, just believe. And you know, really, this interruption was really an interweaving because this is an incredible story that goes in, goes in like this. And, and watch what you have. I mean, you have an inner, you have, you have uh, now this, this, this combination. You have an, an older woman and you have a younger woman. You have a woman who has been struggling for 12 years to, to, with a, a sickness, and you have a young lady who is 12 years old. This one's 12 years sick. This one's 12 years old. And watch what God does here to intermingle those, those two things. It says, when he arrived, ta uh, talking about Jairus, at the house, or Jesus, at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, James, and John, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. I have a feeling Jesus is the one that's going to be right on this one. I'm going to toggle back to Mark's account. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. He took her by the hand, pictureless, and said to her, Taliathakum which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Here's the word again. Immediately. God can do in a moment what you and I can't do in a lifetime. The girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. As they were there, at all at this, they were completely astonished. I would think seeing your child raised from the dead, you know, that's probably an understatement. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. I have to stop right there. First of all, now put yourself in Jairus' place. You've gone from the depths of despair to the height of joy in that quick with Jesus Christ. But notice this too. Jesus said to, to everybody there, don't tell what happened. Don't say a word. But suddenly everybody knows about it. So they let everybody know even when Jesus said, be quiet. Now Jesus has told us to go and tell everybody about him. And most of the time, we stay quiet. We have the thing mixed up. But here's something, too, is I want to show the difference of what happens here. That I, I love the fact that God did something amazing in this older lady's life. She, he healed her. 
But God did something even cooler in the next generation. God brought a resurrection there. You know one thing I love about Crossroads? We are truly an intergenerational church. It seems like most churches that you look at are either really, really, really young or really, really, really old. And I love the fact that we have truly a representation from every generation. And here's the thing that I want to I want to say is I pray, I thank God for what he's doing in our older generations. We have amazing older generations. Some of the most incredible uh, saints I've ever met and some of the most faithful people I've ever seen are some of the oldest people in this church. And we also have an incredible middle-aged people that are active, that are involved, that are prayer warriors, that are making difference in their families and make a difference in this community. And I thank God that we have youth that are taking a stand for Jesus Christ and children that are taking a stand for for Jesus Christ. And here's, here's my, my prayer. Amen. I want you to know that it is my prayer. I love the youth of this church, and it is my prayer that our ceiling is your floor, that where we've gone, that you take it to, to different levels. That's why your parents bring you to church. That's why you come to church. That's why the same thing there. But I pray that what we've seen happen, that God has done in this church is nothing compared to what God's going to do in and through you and through the next generation. And, and what I want to do, God has great things for this church. And God has greater things. You know what? I mean, God, God's done great things, but he's got greater things in store. God always goes from glory to glory. He never goes from, from glory to something l- lesser. And so what we've seen in our generation, the, 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 the healing, may it be, become a resurrection. May it become even something greater and everything. And, and we're going to do really almost two, two uh, altar calls today. First, if we could stand at this moment, I'd like the prayer team to come forward. And we're going to open the, the altar for, for this. If you're here today and you or someone you know and love is struggling in, in any way, and you're saying, I am absolute man, I am, I'm going to press in for a miracle in my life. I'm pressing in for a miracle in, in my loved one's life. The altar is open here, and there's going to be people here. And then we're going to do something really cool after that as well. But the altar is open. Anybody who's saying, right now, I'm going to be like that lady. I'm going to have bodacious faith. I am not going to leave this place until I've brought it all. I'm not going to leave this place until I've touched the hem of his garment and saying, God, I need this right now. And God, again, God has this way of touching that bodacious faith and seeing that. Because, again, there is a correlation between our faith and our action and between what we see. The altar is open as we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.